You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, yes. Sid Talk. What do you want? Hey, we you got we got new chairs today, so we won't make that clicky noise. I don't noise. have a new chair. I have your old chair. We won't make the clicky noise. I can if you want. Oh. <laughs> How'd you manage that? That chair's never clicked ever. It's the floor. Oh, okay. it's my pad thing. It's cracking. Oh, which was part of our conversation for the before the episode discussion about my fat butt. So everyone loves to discuss their fat butts, but in how chairs for me. And I don't give a shit if people go, oh, well, then just don't have a fat butt. Fuck off. That's what I would say to you. Because when you just have one, you can't just instantly get rid of it, right? And I probably never will get rid of it anyway. But skinny people do not understand how it is to have a fat butt. You don't understand that in a chair where my butt is fatter than, like, my knees, obviously. Well, my butt is fatter than my knees, Then I sit in every chair. Yeah, but... But tiny, like you're flat. Your butt is flat, your legs are flat, your thighs are skinny, your butt is skinny. So when you sit down, the the amount of material between your butt bone and the chair and the back of your thigh and the chair are equal. Right. It doesn't graduate down. Well, when you got a fat butt or a larger butt or a round butt or whatever people want to call it, the material between your butt bone and the chair and the back of your thigh and the chair it graduates down. So any chair that seems to be flat, you've already got... It's like you're sitting on a pillow on your butt bone and you're just flung forward. But it's got to be pretty no, comfy then. It's not comfy at all. Because no. chairs aren't made for fat people. They're made for skinny ass people like you. No, I mean if you have more <laughs> fat on your bum. No, it's not comfortable because everything squishes you and pushes you and tugs at you and like, like you are a shape, right? But you're sort of malleable. So anything that's shaped pushes on you like you are made of you're made of matter but you're kind of mushy and smushy (laughs) you know i mean like a little bit more yeah pliable so anything that pushes on you just like pretend somebody's pressing on your face all the time right now imagine that on your butt on your back with clothes and chairs and car seats it just is what it is i'm not saying everybody needs to accommodate us big butt people i'm just saying Every time I've ever said to you, I can't get this chair to be comfortable, yes, I could equally, almost as easily lose however many pounds I need to make a chair comfy, or I could just find a chair that's comfortable for my big butt. You sit sit on a bike seat, and that's pretty comfy for you. You don't... Yeah, there's nothing pushing on me. Nothing squeezing me. Nothing shoving me up anywhere. Nothing trying to mold me into a thing. Like, you get this new bucket chair with your arms so close together that I would feel like I'm entrapped. Feels good. It doesn't feel good to me because my hips, well, obviously I fit in the chair. I'm just saying like my hips, I would feel like it's right up on me and the shape of it's kind of curved. And so that's like smooshing everything about you out into the wrong directions. And you just feel like a constant, I don't know. So this chair that you gave me nicely is fine. I will have to make some adjustments. It's certainly better than the chair you were using. No, I disagree. That chair was perfectly fine. I sat in that chair. One day I was trying. I was fixing your computer. Yeah, but you I, don't have to sit in I it. I had not really um, investigated that chair before. And I sat down in it. 
And I... He sat on it. It has no back I, or no arms or anything. I kind of leaned some way, and it felt like, oh, yeah, but shit, like it's going to break. Like, um, it, like there was no screws Oh, that's somewhere. true. It did, yeah. is unstable, it but... It went backwards. <laughs> it also doesn't... It, it, it requires nothing of my body. And this is something that when you have a large body... And you sit in all but the chairs really that no are made for skinny people. You don't have to lean on it. I don't have to lean back. In fact, leaning back sometimes is the most uncomfortable. It squishes everything forward. And it makes your front feel like you're about... That you've got a big bag of potatoes glued to your breasts and your belly. I mean, that's just... <laughs> hey, man, you're married to it. So don't wrinkle your nose up. That's So that's um, fat chair talk <laughs> <for> this week. <laughs> well. You know, people aren't all skinny, and they make chairs for the mediocre person. Mediocre in all ways, really, for skinny. Dun dun dun. But <laughs> and that's don't, just insu- it don't is. insult uh, <laughs> insult our race. I'm not insulting. Mediocre's fine. <laughs> but when you can't instantly not have a fat butt, and you need to sit in a chair, it's not. It's you have to adjust. You have to adjust yourself, or you have to adjust the chair, or it is very uncomfortable. Or you feel awkward, like you are, you're the fat person sitting on this skinny person's chair, and it makes you look like, I always think of the guy from the Saturday morning cartoon, In Between Things, who he says, he sings the little cheese as a snack song, if you want to have a hunk of cheese. That's probably why I have a fat butt, because he was so cute, and encouraged me to eat blocks of cheese and stuff all the time. But he was like an olive on two toothpicks kind of shape. That's how you feel when you're a large person sitting in a skinny person's chair or couch. Like you're this big, bulbous thing on this little, you know. All right, so fat chair talk is over. <laughs> Let's move on to the podcast. We are not a fat chair review <laughs> podcast. We do not review fat people and we do not review chairs or skinny people. Oh, uh, I'll we, review skinny people. <laughs> we, um, we review movies, and it is Saturday, January the 23rd, after the show number 410. The movie we're looking at this week is Diary of a Teenage Girl. It's a 2015 movie released on Blu-ray on the 19th of January, so you can pick that one up now. It came out this week. It's rated R for um, suggestive stuff and sexual things and uh, swear words. And um, Sid Talk. Some of our friends at Sony. Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of The Diary of a Teenage Girl. A teenage girl records a diary. Her, <laughs> She's got a diary. her exploits and her, <laughs> you know, going or transition from child to woman in her diary or recordings, basically. And it is a. She's not your typical teenage girl or maybe she is but she explores sexuality in a way that you don't get a lot of in these stories and she's 15 which is made very clear in the movie she's 15 all so the way sexual the exploits are the thing that she's recording and her thoughts about it and so everything kind of goes from there all right so there will be spoilers so go and watch this film then come back uh, after you've watched it and listen to what we thought of it and see if you agree with us or disagree why Which would you up? care why would you care if you agree with us? Um, so, The Diary of a Teenage Girl. Sid Talk, you can go first. What did you think of this movie? First, I knew nothing about it. So my first thought was, ugh, another Juno. It's going to be oh, another yeah, Juno. Yeah. I really didn't think that. I never that. even thought of that. So I just tried to put that out of my mind. Try not to be prejudging. As I try not to, but it happens. 
And did almost, you not like Juno? It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was, you know, of its time as well. The same type of a thing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want another one. And I didn't mind it. I liked it. I think that it kind of... It kind of um, tickles you in places. You don't know if you want to be tickled in. You know what I'm saying? Like emotionally and what you expect of people. And this one does that. That is the similarity. But the story and the vibe and the young lady... And the dialogue, it's all come, it's not that at all. And I was instantly pleased at the, like the, the, I don't know what the word, the vernacular of this young lady, like how she, the things that she does say in her recordings and the way she describes things. And then you have the artwork that comes on top of her, you know, that kind of explains her emotions even more. I was just enthralled. You know, as you wouldn't normally be in inside of a little dramatic movie, but I was enthralled by this young person's, maybe because I'm a young woman, or I was a young woman, not anymore. Um, and, you know, she's not, you're straight, she's not a Brady daughter, you know what I mean? She's not like yeah. straight up, you know, dating a boy. And then- Plus it's not um, a perfect life for her, not a perfect family unit, really. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, though. I mean, her mom's a little wild, but there's nothing bad going on in her life. That's one of the things I really appreciate is that there's nothing in her life that's drawing her toward these decisions that she's making. And it's very clear through this character. She's making these decisions. Yes, you can argue 100% that a 15-year-old girl, here's a spoiler, should not be having anything to do sexually with anyone. And yet, in reality... That is how it is. And that's... We we can't deny it. And that's one of the things that the filmmakers were set, said, that as adults, we were 15 years old also, all of us. And those kind of feelings come about. I know the feelings do, but not... No, what actual. I'm saying is, and, and acting on those kind of feelings comes about. But when we get older and then we have our kids... We don't want we that. We kind to of be. ignore that. Oh, right. that just wasn't... Because it does something bad to you. Right. In most cases... There, there was a really profound moment where she said, um, oh, I'm a woman now then. Like, she, yeah. she's had sex in this movie. And then she says to herself, I guess I'm a woman, I guess I'm a woman now. <laughs> when clearly you're not. Like, it's, it, you're not even that much different. But from, someone else might think so. Right. Someone else might measure your value. And that's another thing I loved addressing in this movie. She comes to a conclusion after exploits and, you know, Exploring sex in different ways, ways that aren't like go to prom and have sex with your boyfriend or, you know, like it's outside of those boundaries and it's wild and it's things that a lot of people will like wince at and be like, well, no girl would ever do that. That's not true because they do. But her conclusion is, and she observes her mother, and I've done this in my own life, and I 100% have said this for years, that your value as a female in this world, is not measured by how many men want to fuck you. And this is how... She, this is the she thing actually she's says overcome. that, she, Yeah. And I've said it. I've said it to my nieces. Don't ever be fooled into thinking that your value as a human being is only measured by whether or not a man wants to have sex with you. And that's not love. And that's not affection. But you might have been taught that to be cute and sexy and get a man's sexual attention... Is what makes you... And she starts out from that direction because she sees her mother and observes that her mother thinks that. And still her mother thinks she needs a man to be happy. And this girl's come to the conclusion... Yeah, her mother's not I don't. great, is she? 
But I know women like that. When a mother sits 100%. her down and tells her, like... I know, used to be cute. Why don't you wear a skirt? Show some of your boobs right. a bit. And I yeah. actually have friends. I mean, my best friends who have a lot of that. And it seems old-fashioned to me. And as much as I love you, I actually understand the difference between being loved by somebody and when you are young and people are attracted to you and people want to have sex with you for no other reason except to get their gonads off. And she's at that age where she's a little young to be sorting that out, but she's figuring that out. That is one of the things I really, really, really respect about this movie, that this young woman could go on in her life and not seek and not desire or have any, like, need for men to come around in her life. And then if she were to find someone who was satisfying to her, it would mean so much more. It's like Chasing Amy. That's what it kind of reminded me of, that in Chasing Amy, she says to him, look, I want to know when I finally do fall in love with somebody and I want to be with somebody that I've tried everything else. I've tried everybody. I've looked everywhere. I've tried all the stuff. And now I've found a person I want to be with because I have something to compare it all to. I know how it feels or I don't need anybody at all. That's what I really, I really like that about this. Right. What I also liked about this movie is it explores um, the Alexander Skarsgård character in another movie could be a weird, creepy, like menacing oh, kind of... Oh, he's creepy, but he's not Well, menacing, menacing kind of yeah. thing. Like we said a spoiler earlier on. She sleeps with... Um, the young girl sleeps with her mother's boyfriend. And he is much older than she is. 20 years. He's yeah. 35 and she's 50. Right. And, you know... It starts off with she's sexually uh, coming alive and she wants to titillate him. And then he, then she, they make, you know, when he says in the extras that, because she says to him, I want you to fuck me. And, yeah. he, and he says in the extras, well, we wanted to make sure that was clear that it was like. Instigated by her. But yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's very from a man's point of view. But it is a bit of both. Because a reasonable man would yeah. say, oh. You need to talk. We need to talk to your mom about this because right. whatever feelings. And he's not a reasonable. I mean, he's. I think they pegged him a, though, and he played it just right. He's like a bohemian is, type. Kinda. Well, he's also extremely immature. Oh my god, he lays around eating cereal and watching yeah, he does, yeah. fucking cartoons all day, and he's thirty-five years old. He and, doesn't apparently have a job. And on his pot, and you know, smoking. He's pot. trying to sell like this vitamin thing, which is pyramid scheme. Yeah. It's from the seventies. This is the seventies, so very, very. So yeah, he, but he, but doesn't, he plays it right. It's not menacing at all. What, what I mean, it's what I liked about it a lot is it becomes a relationship. A weird, messed up relationship, but it's a relationship that's... It's like an affair behind the mother's back. Um, it's wrong because it's underage sex, but there is like a bond between them. And it's not like a love bond. It's like... No. She wants to have sex with somebody. She gets a bit of a... Uh, She's confused about the love. Right. Thing. And then he has sex with her and she... Attaches. Kind of attaches bond, and he doesn't want that at some points. And he is, she's irresistible to him. He can't stop doing it. In fact, one time he says, "Like I, I've got to stop this." Like it's, um. So there is a relationship based on sex, but then it becomes a bit more than that, I think. And that is what I liked about it. It's quite a complicated relationship. It is shown. In a short space, it's not a very long film, and I feel like I've been through a lot with them, yeah, with me those too. two. Like, and you know, it's definitely it's not 
Um, I was expecting it to be <clears throat> trying to predict the film while I'm watching it, which you kind of do when you've seen enough films. You're kind of like, where is this going in your mind? And then you're like, oh, I think it's going to go to that there. Now, I was thinking the main crux of this film is it's going to come to a point where the mother finds out and then it becomes super dramatic. And that's the rest of the movie. Now, the mother does find out, but that's not really the crux of the film. <clears throat> it doesn't become super dramatic. There's a dramatic scene involving her finding out, but then the rest of it is just more unraveling the re relationship or where mm -hmm. the girl's going to go next, how she's going, to, when she finally decides she's not going to deal with him anymore, where it kind of follows her a bit along her path. Like, she, you know, she goes with this girl, she's trying different things, she's going in these weird, she tries drugs. It's just like a growing up story, but it's got this odd thing in the middle of it. But why is it he odd? Shouldn't because be we don't think Porky's is odd when these teenage boys are going to fuck a bunch of prostitutes or mm -hmm. dancers and they're all underage and the women are all grown women. That doesn't seem odd to anyone. I feel like it's really not odd so much as because it's totally possible. Like, I mean, plausible. It's not uh, just plausible. But it happens all the time. Yeah. All the time. Um... Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure yeah. it does. Even this exact thing with the mother's boyfriend, yeah. But um, it's played very well. It just feels realistic to me. Like, it feels... He is the standout to the me. The non-threatening right? part is the good part, that you can explore a story between people where there isn't that... Yes, as a grown-up, you look at this man and say, he's a bit of a predator, yes. And yet, he... It's he a, is even not convinced... You know, he's confused about his own feelings so that's fair in that context that one moment but no matter what he's still a predator of a young girl you know when he says to her in the car like i am a human being as well that is a there's moments in it that are really uh, another moment i thought was interesting and it's just one word and it shows you like the, the relationship and bond between them he pulls up outside of school and like like he's leading her astray like i mean she's she's missing school to go and screw with him but he opens the car door and says, get in, fat ass. And you might think, oh, God, how rude. But no, it's like a it's a like thing, a, between, a them, thing yeah. between them, like a joke. But him just saying that, like, and her, you know, smiling and getting in the... It, there's no more... Nothing needs explaining. It's like... Oh, well, she's yeah. already said to him, you think I'm fat. But that's what I mean. There's, yeah. there's like a... But I, almost, I also feel there was a bunch of time that we didn't see, but they've got to really know each other a lot now. Because they're, you know, because they play like children with each other. They, they do, play they box. Fight, yeah. They fight. They push on each other. They elbow each other. They call each other. You know, like so. There's that. Like a young girl would do and with a crush like at he, school. Yeah, if he was 15, he's reliving the day when he was 15 and flirting with a girl, and yet he just skipped over the last 20 years of his life and didn't realize, didn't realize he's a grown up. And then there's like. And also, an but he also kind of likes her mother because her mother has a bit of that as she's well. She's also a bit young, isn't she? She's a spirit, yeah. free spirit. But there's um, the other thing uh, I thought I found was interesting was then when she does try and just have a normal relationship with another person her age from school, it's just unsatisfying to her because because yeah. there's I was going to say because this other guy's mature, but he's not. He's actually he's actually is a schoolboy. He's mature in terms of his ability <laughs> to his sexual prowess yeah and his ability maybe to have sex in a different his way he's not emotionally um 
Because when she wants to talk to him after sex and stuff, he's just going to sleep or he's, uh, he, he doesn't really have that, does he? He's pretty much wants to have sex and that's his thing. Like, <laughs> like, uh, it, like he's not emotionally, he's not. But he also likes having her specifically, I believe, the yeah. way that's played out. Having her there. Like, he's not calling her mother in all these times. So there's something about her, not just because she's young, because we have to put that as part of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. That's what I found was skillful about the movie. The fact that there is an underage sexual relationship in the movie, which is very taboo, and people will wince at it. But I didn't feel like wincing at it. Only at the very beginning, when I yeah, thought... Yeah, you want to be like, an asshole. Yeah. The whole time, I was like, But at the beginning, I was like, okay, I can see the path this is going down. You know, she wants to try it. He's going to be an asshole and do it. That's what happens. But then as it gets more involved and more complicated, I, the asshole thoughts, I'm still like, well, he shouldn't be doing this. Oh, you're such a man. But I am I am also like, it isn't... It isn't How about if it was your daughter? Yeah, well, then you'd want to kill her. Yeah, you. then it's the same thing. Yeah. It can't be different just because she's a character in a movie. But if it was your daughter or one of my nieces, and you found that that at 15, some 35-year-old dude was lurking around her. You see... That's how you're supposed to look at it. And it's no matter what you do, no matter how you try to you say that, you know, I understand where the... I think he did a good job of making this guy not seem like... Yeah, that's it, yeah. But you have to constantly remind yourself, this is wrong, this is wrong, because she is not in a position but because to you make have, these decisions. But because you have to constantly remind yourself, because he lulls you into this, like, oh, well, it's not... You know, they have... It's a real relationship... It's not... Kind of shows you the frame of mind of himself and of a girl in yeah, that position. how easy it would be to yeah. fall into it. So yeah. it is cleverly done, I think. And it's all, a lot of it is down to Alexander Skarsgård, I think. he's Oh, definitely. He's like, he's subtle. I mean, we, we know he is and we've seen him in True Blood. And that's where I pretty much know him for. And action films like uh, Battleship. But I've never seen him do like an actual thoughtful dramatic performance and this is the first time I've seen it and you know he this you didn't is think you didn't think he was a thoughtful vampire not really it was very <laughs> it was very kitschy and uh, he was very serious over the top though I mean it's, it was very uh, he did a lot of brooding he might have been my favourite vampire though in the True Blood series he always was yeah because that other guy Bill ugh <laughs> that's why I didn't why are we that. still talking about that old show I don't know it was a, it was a decent show yeah. Up until the end. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe I'd say if you're going to watch True Blood, watch like the first three seasons and then stop. Because it, it's, it's like... it's only De- for fun. It's kind of like Dexter. It's it not high quality. It gets really dopey yeah. and dumb at the end. Dopey. Um, so anything else you have to say? I like the 70s setting. Yep, I don't definitely. think it broke out of the 70s setting. Sometimes I'm like, oh shit, it's like a, an independent film of the 70s setting. In a minute, I'm going to see like a Jeep go down the street. Something that's not supposed to be there. They had Jeeps in the 70s. Oh, well, you know, like an electric car or something. <laughs> I'm going to see something out of, out of order. But no, I didn't notice anything like that. Nah. Costuming was really good. I love the inside of the house. It, uh, it's very easy to emulate the 70s, though, to be honest, mm-hmm. with the interior of Go to Goodwill. And yeah. you're in the 70s. Um, so I like that. I liked how it looked. Who, the DP guy, who we actually recognized in the extras for the... is a DP on zombie uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which we watched. Which also was a good-looking movie to uh, for an independent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked what he did with this, because it was not flashy. And it was natural. If you notice, a lot of natural lighting. Like, no lights on in the room, just the curtains open. Um 
that's what they were going well, for. Well, that's what it looks like. That's yeah, that's what it went. looks like. And it, I liked how it looked. It looked kind of dreamlike a little bit. There's animation that you mentioned earlier in this movie. And it's... If you're familiar with Robert Crumb, the um, illustrator from the 70s, Let 60s. me just put it this way. You don't need to be elaborate or intellectual about it. If you're familiar with any scribbles by any teenager, you know what it looks well, like. Well, I'm just talking about that. <laughs> Gro- it, the, it, uh, the style was called like grotesque sexy or something. It's like... Um, and Crumb was very famous for it. It's like a... Um, He'll draw like nude people, but then make them kind of look a bit ogreish in some way. Like, and she does it in this movie, and some of them come to life. And there's a lot of that. And she's inspired by the wife of Robert Crumb, isn't she? When she's drawing, she aspires to be like. So that. maybe he was inspired by his wife. Why does he have to be the inspiration? <laughs> well, he's the one I. Oh, because he's a man. Is that what you're saying? Yes. He's the man, so he came up with all the. Oh, well, they drew ideas. they drew books together. Actually, he was a comic book yeah, artist. Yeah, so he got me. all his ideas from her. But it, it's that particular style. It's kind of, you know, they might be a nude person, but then they might look a little bit... They might have hairs growing out the back, or it's just odd-looking a little bit. Uh, maybe... You need to look at every independent magazine drawing comic book that exists almost, and you will find this. Not just him, they didn't. It's just a... And what I liked thing. about it, and there is that artwork in this movie that comes to life. I mean, she might be thinking and flowers grow out of her head or whatever, but it is not super overdone. No. At first I was going, oh, they're just going to do this all the time and we're going to be like, by the end of it, like, ugh. But it wasn't at all. But they did it a handful of times and that was enough. If they'd have done it all the time, it would have been, oh, that movie with all that stuff in it. But there's just enough of it for you to not think well it's that movie that's all the art stuff you know like waking life that we saw where it's all rotoscoped but that was the idea what i think of waking life though is i i I can't remember the plot i just remember that it was that movie this won't be known for being the movie with all the animation in it it's just sparingly used and really well done when it is done uh let's move on to the cast so bell powley plays minnie she's the main girl the teenage girl of the story I had no idea she was British, so she did a good job of not being British in the movie. Uh, what did you think of her? Perfect. Really I mean, good. it's a brave... She has to be naked a lot. <laughs> yeah. She has to be sexual. And she's not 15, just so everybody No, knows. she's not. <laughs> she's, not fi- she's well over age. She's like but, a 21-year-old. Yeah. But she's naked a lot. She's sexual a lot in this movie. You know, it's... But also childlike. Yeah. In a really which, exact way. In a childlike way that still is, you know, we don't give, when we say that young girls mature faster than boys, it's actually really true. And I'm not knocking boys. I'm just saying that girls do a lot more thinking. And maybe it's just, the, it's just built in. We're hardwired, maybe. I don't know why. Maybe something genetic from caveman days. I don't know. But you think a lot more. Like you think, like the drawings and stuff emulate her feelings and yeah. this constant struggle to constantly think about yourself and your body and, and is anybody going to love me? And uh, it's like a constant thing. And that's what she shows that. And her friend, her and her friend, her friendship with her best friend and stuff really shows this like girly, youthful, but we are on the verge of hitting the grown up world and. It's not in a, she doesn't do it in a way that's like, I'm breaking out into womanhood. It's just really a slow, it doesn't, maybe not to some people it wouldn't seem slow, but in different scenes, she can be totally the girl looking up out the top of her eyes and like giggling and like playful. And then two seconds later, be like 
you know, intellectually examining exactly what's going on. And I think that's partly her age, her in real life. And she's just really good at yeah, using the lines that are given because the character's written really well. And, you know, she's she's been in some TV shows in Britain. She's not she, written in a way like Juno, where it's no. like this smart-assy kind of... Juno's a written part, isn't it? You can hear lines of script coming out. You can out hear the grown woman. Yeah. Comedian. Snarky, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Come out of the teenage girl. Yeah, this, this feels like, like an actual girl. Yeah, yeah I think so. And That's she's smart, great. An intelligent girl. Yeah, and, you know, the fact that she has to be naked a lot and, mm-hmm. you know, really intimate scenes with Alexander Skarsgård. I mean, like... Yeah. <laughs> very intimate scenes, uh, which they did first when they were filming it, they said. So, um, Abby Watt plays her sister, Gretel, and she's not in it very much, to be honest. I just wanted to give her a mention. She's a young actress. <laughs> she's funny. She's funny. And I understand that. Yep. She, where she's listening at the door and, you know, like a sister. Sisters will understand this character. You probably understand the character from having sister. Well, I'm that sister. You're the small, yeah. You're yeah, the small <laughs> I'm the little sister. Who feels left out and wants to listen Exactly. In. Annoying everyone all the time yeah. because you're 10 years younger and it's just like everybody's picture. Uh, Kristen <laughs> Wiig plays Charlotte, the mother. Now, now you is, comment on her because she's one of your favorites. Yeah, this is not how to be a mother. <laughs> if, you're a, if you're thinking of being a mother, this is not the handbook for the mother. Uh, it's probably the opposite of the handbook for the mother. But no, Kristen Wiig's really good in this because she's not... In the extras that we watched, where she's talking to the camera, you see Kristen Wiig, the funny kind of... You can see that she wants to be funny and sarcastic. You know, she's she's thinking, oh, this is going to be funny, what I'll say next. In this movie, she drops that completely. It's not that. Even no, though she's a fun mother. She's... She's not really. Fun in the wrong way, though. I mean, she's yeah. the, the drunk drug mother. But um, she's subtle... Um, and I buy her as that, you know, we've all known people like that. Mm-hmm. Who? My mom let us drink always when we were teenagers at home. Yeah. We didn't do drugs, but we drank a lot. But uh, I mean, totally. this, this mother takes it a little bit too far. It's all the same. Think. It's yeah. all the same. But uh, no, I think she was great. I, I really, like she dropped the comedic thing. Totally. Which I don't see her do very often as well. And she um, never did it. She did it in the extras. I was like, oh yeah, there's Kristen Wick. She's She's, you know, she has that kind of, like, look on her Trying face. Trying to be funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is... What I just said was funny, right? That kind of thing. She doesn't do that in this movie. Did you like her? Loved it. I thought she was... I want to see more of her. And we saw her last color. night in another movie. We'll mention Don't that bring later. it up. We'll mention it later. We'll review that one later. <laughs> um, Alexander Skarsgård is Monroe. Um, he is the kind of douchey... Um... <laughs> <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. Even the name, Monroe. He's just... Ugh. Um, but he was my favourite part of the movie. It wasn't the young girl, even though I think she's fantastic. It was him. Like I, I didn't expect that from him. When I knew he was in it, because he's on the front cover, you can't really not know he's in it. Um, I thought, oh, okay. I, I have some kind of preconceived ideas that he's... Uh, it's going to be like a stiff... He's like this level of stuff. To, you know, I, I'm yep. holding like I've got a scale and about halfway up the scale. Who's at the top of your scale? Like off the top of your head, <laughs> who are we comparing him to? Like somebody right at the top of the scale of acting. Like, um, uh, why was I going to say Christian Bale? I think Christian Bale's really good. Yeah, Christian Bale. Or he's all right. Or um, 
To me, Leonardo DiCaprio is somebody like that. It's high quality. Daniel Day-Lewis. Day somebody will make a... Well, that sounds more like you're trying to kiss people's ass. No, I'm saying he's a fantastic actor to me. Like, there will True. be blood. It's one of the best pieces of acting I've ever seen. Lincoln. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he he's a top, right? So I always okay. think this guy, because we've seen him in True Blood, and it's not a big measure of anything, is it? So there will be blood is 10. Right. What's Skarsgård before like this movie? Like four. Okay. <laughs> and I think, I think when I see him on the cover of this movie, okay, he's going to bring that four, and I'm going to go, oh, God, he was... I think he brought, like, an eight. Oh, he was good. Yeah. Because it was very, you know... It's really... It's complicated. It's like he understood, too, that he... Because it would be easy as an actor, knowing that the woman you're with is a 21-year-old woman, so you don't really have to be thinking that she's a 15-year-old girl. No. But you can tell he has moments where he's making it flash across him. Mm-hmm. And then he has moments where he's he's... He's fully in it because you can get that he thinks he's in the in a equal. The moment where he started mumbling to himself that he shouldn't shouldn't yeah. be doing this when he's looking at her, she's naked. But he, you know, everything inside him's going. I'm just gonna fuck. I, I need to fuck her again. Yeah, then exactly. He's like, yeah, you can see that on his face. Oh, I'm. I just drag her back into bed. But then you can see. No, I need to stop this. It's wrong. I can. It's but and that's a very real thing. Yeah, that like, is like a hundred percent. People cope with that every single day. But you and can see be, that moment. Of, yeah. And, and, he, and he doesn't say anything. It's just him mumbling a bit and, and just his look on his face. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah, he's really conflicted. But, but it's his penis is winning. Like, <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> There's a battle raging and yeah. the penis is winning. She needs to draw that. The penis <laughs> yeah. is winning the battle. Um, but yeah, he's fantastic. I, I, I loved him. It's changed my opinion of him. And now I want to see him. I don't want to see him in the big Hollywood blockbusters like Battleship. I want to see him in these more thoughtful, smaller Battlefish, films. that Battlefish. Battleship, that was it. Yeah, he was in that one, yeah. Um, Christopher Maloney plays Pascal, and Pascal's the father of uh, Minnie. No. I mean, the father of... Gretel. Gretel, sorry. We don't, need, we don't meet Minnie's father. No. Um, and, well, he's, a, he's like a father figure to both of them. Uh, obviously, the ex-husband of... I liked how he did the character. The character is a pretentious twat. And he only, he's only, he's only in it a little bit. He just comes he in. He has good intentions, but he also comes from a very weird place. Like, you, you learn a lot from that one flashback that we see. You wonder, how can a girl come to these, like, neediness that she has? She says she wants to be touched. She wants to feel warmth. Now, she's, as a 15-year-old girl, has turned this into a sexual thing in her yeah. mind. She thinks. But we go to a flashback. Here's more spoiler. Where this guy is like a psychology major. Pascal. Philosopher guy or whatever. Yeah, he studies psychology. And he tells the mother, when the girls are very young, Minnie's need to touch you is like sexual. sexual. Yeah. So it's unnatural. And the mother has a look on her face like, oh. And then the mother but pushes her away from that. But it isn't. You know, no, you isn't. know that it isn't. When a little girl. I mean, I've known. I wasn't a very touchy-feely girl. But I've had little girls in my life. Who, because of whatever circumstance or just their personality, they want to be right next to your leg. They want to put their hand on your hand. They want you to put your arm around them. And it's simply because they have like a like a need to be safe and comforted. Like, that's it. That's all it is. And it's very simple, And it, but it's obvious in some children. Now, it's mostly girls I've come across that have this sort of like... They come up and just put their little hand right on your shoulder and like lean their little head on your shoulder. And when you kind of know the context of their life, 
there could be a lack of intimacy and like comfort there. And so you just kind of pat their little hand and you, you let them have that. And I feel like that's what was going on. I mean, I'm adding all this in there, but he's telling the mother, and the mother seems fairly. The mother took it on board and took it, it on and board. It changed and the relationship between her and the child. Dis- yeah, yeah, we never saw any of that. No, but yeah. But now you can piece it together. And there's a moment later on where the mother is trying to hug her, trying to hug her, and she says, "You used to do that. We, we always used to do that." And it's like, right? You put and two all and she two together. wants is like. That, just the cuddle from her mom. And that's totally innocent and perfect, but he added something, again, a man being a prick, adding something wrong. He was good, though. I like It was good. I I was surprised, because he's not always, sometimes he's that, like... And it is funny, because he's played by um, Christopher Maloney. It is funny that um, he is in it very, a small amount, but it's very impactful. In fact, so impactful, right at the very end, her... When she, yeah, yeah, <laughs> is from that character, which is, and he only, he's only, he only is. Because if you lines. think, I was thinking too, the men in her life, you know. Now I'm not saying that you have to have a, a, a figure like my grandfather in your life, but I think of my grandfather as this like semi-stoic. He says what he meant. He said he's dead now, but he said what he meant. He'll tell you straight. He'll he'll he will tell you if you're doing something wrong or would. And, but he's solid and strong and you felt secure, not just with him, but like giving him him his advice and that he seems like a rock solid human being as a man, right? She has none of that. Hmm. If you look at the men, we don't know her father. Her father's fucked off, basically. This Pascal guy is totally the opposite direction, too much in the mind, too much intellectualizing everything. The father does want her to come and live with him. No, that's not the father. That's I mean, him. the Pascal's a step figured, ex yeah. stepfather. <laughs> yeah, but he's too much in the mind. Yeah, he will overanalyze everything. He doesn't feel he might have money, but he doesn't feel like someone that you can trust fully. She has none of that in her life. So that's kind of an interesting too. That the one one the one person who should have been given her affection, like yeah. a motherly affection. Has also distanced herself, which you could also then say maybe that's why the mother went a little off the rails because she doesn't quite know what she's. She's a similar how to be the person mother. to her daughter. She's a, she's exactly. the older version of her daughter. Like is is you know, yeah, they're different. Yeah, but there is a sim. There is a no, 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 totally different. When she was that age, no, she did similar. You know, it was totally opposite. She was the popular cheerleader girl. This girl is not. Oh it's yeah, I, I just mean about the sex. Exploring sexuality and drugs. I, and, I disagree, but I we mean, didn't the, see that. Oh, the mother was doing it later in life. Because, later in life, yeah. yeah. Trying um, to explore and find the same thing. Madeline Waters finally plays Kimmy. That's a friend. She's, she's not, good. She's never been in anything, actually. She, hadn't been, she wasn't in it much, but as yeah. a friend and as the... As, it's like she's friends with her mother when her mother was a teenager. Right. That's what she's seeking, is more of her mother. And this girl is the sort of cheerleader-looking girl, blonde, cute, dressing up, you know, does her but fingernails. But also, like, a bit naughty as well. I mean, there's some naughty things go on with them, both, together. Well, sure. That's what friends do. That scene is, that scene <laughs> is good, though, where the, both, the two of them give some yeah. strangers a blowjob. Like <laughs> and then a double like, blowjob. I feel weird about that. Me too. Let's never do yeah, that Yeah, let's again. not do that again. <laughs> Like, no, most friends don't end up doing that. No, but, but that was an interesting scene too, wasn't very. it? Because even them two realized, uh, this is not a road to go down. It's just not But right. you know what? We did it. 
And now yeah. we know we don't want to do that. We've explored it, and now we're not going to do that again. So moving on to the extras on the Blu-ray, there are a couple. Not not very many, to be honest. There's um, Bringing the Diary to Life. It's like about 30 minutes long. It's pretty good, actually. Everybody yeah, involved good. Um, talks about the movie, including the director of photography, the director, um, all the stars, actually. Well, all the main stars. Um, it's pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, there are some deleted scenes. There's a... LA Film Festival question and answer, which Sid Talk is not a fan of these LA Film Festival uh, no. question and answers. Uh, if you want to know what it is, there's a stage. They bring on the uh, they bring on the cast and they they do a question and answer session with the audience. Um, and there's also a commentary with the cast and the director. So um, does have a few extras uh, enough for this type of movie, I think doesn't need like tons of behind the scenes making of and what it does have is good so um conclusion on the diary of a teenage girl sit talk loved it loved it and is here's it? my word you know this you're um picking a word for every movie yep and my words to choose from are either fun inspiring boring action-packed or thoughtful this one's action-packed <laughs> this is not yeah <laughs> i don't care if anyone else doesn't understand my it's packed with sexual action uh true but that's not my word is inspiring because on different things i was a girl i wasn't like this girl but on an artistic creative person level a person who might see the world in a different way than everybody else and so a lot of the choices that they make go off the beaten path I can identify with that 100 and percent. I, I think of one thing in this movie that you would 100% identify with, and this girl gets a letter from a famous... <laughs> and the, the actual... The message of this letter is to draw something every day. Yeah, draw more. Do more. Every day. She's yeah. like, draw something every day, which you... Should do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what's inspiring. I think it's uh, inspiring in terms of... Women writing stories and women then directing them, acting them, putting them in action from the woman's point of view and understanding it fully from that point of view. I'm not saying it has to be exclusive, but that's inspiring that through all of that, all the way from the book to the script, through the directing, through the acting, you didn't lose the point, I don't believe, No, of this young woman's... You know, and you likened it, when you get to recommendations, you've likened it to another movie that has a, you know, not similar vibe at all, but a young girl who's not really following the right, not right, uh, expected path yeah. to explore her sexuality. Because, like, what do we expect people to do? Let's just be real. What do we expect? You're born, you're, you're female, right? Whatever. You could be male or female. You get to be 15, 16 years old. Your boobs are growing. Your crotch hair is growing. You've got hormones raging. Your period is starting. Everyone around you, all the ads around you, all the music around you, all the people around you, the culture around you it's is beating to the rhythm of fucking something, yeah. right? That's just how it is. That's how it is in every culture. I've, I can assume. I haven't been to every culture. But what do we expect then? Wait until you're 21. Don't ever kiss or have sex with or give a blowjob to or give a handjob to or touch any genitals of any other person until you're 21 years old and you do this religious thing called getting married. And then what? Right? It just doesn't make sense. I'm not saying that you should, by the time you're 15, be out exploring your sexuality because I think that's super dangerous. And you're also at a very vulnerable age where you don't get it fully. Like the praying aspect of an older man or whatever. But it's just a funny thing that we still, 
go, oh, she's 15 and she's going to a party and she's giving a guy a blowjob. And it is terrible. But what is the alternative? True. You know, what do we, what's the, what, how do we write the script that makes it like, this is how you should be, you know, as a sexual creature. So the diary of a teenage girl, we both, both loved it. Uh, I wouldn't, it's not, (laughs) don't pick it up and think it's for your teenage girl, you know. Oh, I would. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's a bit too hardcore for that. Nope, I would definitely watch it with a teenage girl. Not let them watch it on their own, though. Um, depends on the girl. You need discussion that goes along with it. You have discussion, but I know some teenage young ladies who are very... Don't let let anything less than a teenager watch it. Wouldn't let a teenage boy watch it on his own. Don't let your teenage (laughs) girl watch it with your eight-year-old daughter or anything like that either. (laughs) Don't let what? Don't let your teenage daughter sit down and watch it with the other younger siblings because it's not going to work. That way. <laughs> That's a bit too much. And don't let your 35-year-old boyfriend watch it with your 15-year-old daughter. Yeah, that could be awkward. <laughs> an awkward evening in. Should we all watch a movie? Oh, shit. What's happening in? <laughs> I'll get my coat. I'll the leave. two movies we would not recommend would be Fish Tank and this. Yeah. To not watch with your boyfriend and your teenage daughter. True. <laughs> so thanks to Sony for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. We've got some Blu-rays uh, that you can win this week. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Everest. We'll be looking at that next week. It will be a very cold movie. Great. I'm I'm freezing all the time anyway. Excellent. So you'll be even colder because we'll be going up Mount Everest next week. So movie recommendations. I am going based on Diary of a Teenage Girl. Two movies that sprang to mind almost immediately as I was watching it. Number one being a movie from quite a long time ago now um, called Ghost World. It was actually Scarlett Johansson's, one of her very, very first appearances people didn't know her as Scarlett Johansson then and Thora Birch also um and what it is is a uh, really cool odd coming of age movie with two teenage girls who live in a small town Steve Buscemi's in it he's like kind of an odd character um it's a really good film I still love it I can think of it now to this day you know it is of its day, but it is. Yeah. I think you can still watch it. Uh, and yeah, they're really young in it. It's like, you, yeah. know, you think of Scarlett Johansson now. Steve Buscemi's not young. <laughs> no. And my other one is uh, American Splendor, which is uh, the story of Harvey Pika, who wrote, you know, the comic book American Splendor. And uh, the cancer year, you know, he um, did a famous comic book, graphic novel, about, you know, having cancer. His- Wife, Our cancer I mean. year. Yeah. We bought that. I bought that. Yeah, where is it? I was The other week I was like, oh, I don't mind reading that. I've not seen it and get around. Or... I think it's on the bookshelf in Austin, too. Oh, right. So American Splendor is just this awesome movie. Um, I didn't really know a lot about this guy, and it inspired me to go and read some of his stuff, and it was really awesome. Like, um, Who was in it? Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul Giamatti was Harvey Pekar. Harvey Pekar died, like, not long after that movie as well, which was sad. So, American Splendor and Ghost World both give me vibes of this movie, so I would recommend them to you. And you would recommend? My recommendations are, going along with, if you haven't listened to all of our other podcasts, that I have a list on IMDb of all the movies I've ever seen. I'm compiling a list. I, I'm sure I haven't honed in on them all yet. And I am starting alphabetically and going from the top to the bottom this year. And every year, every week you're going to get three, maybe four recommendations. I'm still in the numbers because numbers go to the top of the list. So this, and this is not to quality, so don't, don't get me wrong. I'm recommending these basically because I've seen them and I'm telling you about them. 
So this sounds funny. 15 minutes, 16 blocks, and 18 again. What's 18 again? 18 again is the, um, oh, what's his name? He and George Burns swap places. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, um. I know what you mean, but. Inside, they'd swap places. So he becomes a young man. and Sounds fun. It's all right. It's from 1988. So, you know, it's got that vibe. But, I mean, I'm not recommending it because of the quality. I'm recommending because it's in order. 16 Blocks. I really liked it. One of my favorite Bruce Willis movies, in fact. Surprisingly, yeah. he's not. And the remember, they went under the city and the way it looked and everything. It was really good. It was a really good one. And 15 Minutes is... It's all right. It's got, like, that Ed guy in it. I always forget his last I name. I barely remember that one. And I think Robert De Niro. Yeah, I think Robert De Niro is in that one, yeah. And he's like I barely a remember reporter. what it was about. They were in a train station at the end. There was, there was a case. Was it? No, no, that's not 15 minutes. Is it not? You're thinking about like the heisty one. With Rob De Niro and Ed, the Hulk guy. This is a different one. Yeah, that one was called This is heist, Edward Norton. It's Ed somebody. But it's called 15 minutes. Ed Burns. It's somebody that. trying to get famous. Remember, they're trying to get on reality oh, TV yeah. and the news and all that stuff. Mm. They, they've got somebody as a hostage in a chair. And he's trying to... Yeah. Find them I or whatever. I do remember that. Yeah. It's very vague though. Yeah. But um, it's on my list. So 15 minutes, 16 blocks, and 18 again. And tw- candles as well. You're getting the candles ones coming, isn't it? It's not on there. You know why? Because they spell out the word 16. So it's down on my right, list. Right. Okay. These are ones where the title yeah. actually has a number in it. Those all come to the top because when you order anything in an... Oh, yes, I have a spreadsheet. If you reorder anything, the numbers will come to the top. So 16 candles is spelled out. That's how my Blu-rays are all arranged on my shelf. All the numbers, and then I go into the alphabetical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those very specific, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You only get a little clump of them because not everybody uses the numbers. Oh, there's a lot. There's well, a lot at the top of my list. All right, so uh, we watched a movie last night, um, the feel-good comedy of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after about 20 minutes, we were like, this is a laugh riot. Yeah. Really a laugh, right? Um, yeah, well, as you might may or may not know, the Golden Globes nominated the movie The Martian, Ridley Scott's new sci-fi movie, as in the category Best Comedy or Musical and or Musical. Um, strangely, because it is not either of those, really. Yes, it has elements of humour, but it is not a straight-up comedy. And music, yes, it has music, but it is not a musical. So it's really just, it's a film. <laughs> so what did you think, just quickly? We, we, I, mean, we, I loved it. The Martian. I had a good time. I I thought it was really well made, well shot. Um, Ridley Scott, if you want anybody to make space look real, Ridley Scott is look great. convincing, yeah. Convincing. See, I like exploring anything spacey. I'm, yeah, I'm a space person. Not necessarily, it doesn't have to be future, because this is a now kind of a movie, but, well, relatively now. I like anything that explores the possibilities of how and when we can survive beyond our own orbit. And this know? is a survival movie like Castaway, mm-hmm. but on Mars. So it's a man fighting against... Here's the thing about Castaway, what it was. He was I only know. on an island. Yeah, completely. <laughs> I mean, there were people just over there out across the ocean. <laughs> so it, so this on is Mars, like Mars. So, you're it. So this guy's a, a. They've gone to Mars and he's left on Mars and they're organizing a rescue mission for him and he has to survive on Mars. It's very science based, which I really liked a lot. I wish it was a little bit more science based. Even like I was, I yeah. enjoyed a lot of this. Him 
like finding solutions to problems because he was who he is, like a botanist. Um, you know, me and you wouldn't have figured it out, and he did. Like he knows how to do the math. He knows how to calculate everything. He knows how to ration everything. He knows how to stay alive. I really like that. Um, I like Ridley Scott's films. I, there's a very specific thing about Ridley Scott films that you can. He's I very, disagree. They're very. I knew you were going to say that, and I think it's they're so, very clean. Like. But it's generic as well. You the can't say look. that's Ridley Scott only because you know it is, I think. There's nothing that Him and his brother it. had a... There's a style to both of them. Now, Tony Scott's completely different. He yeah. had a style. Yeah. Ridley Scott doesn't have a style. It's just epic. Well, Whatever like, he does is epic. I did really like this movie a lot. Um, I thought it was funny when it needed to be funny. It was tense when it needed to be tense. And the special effects were really convincingly good, I thought. Um... But, I, you know, I've not seen all the pictures of this year or anything. But it doesn't strike me as a movie that would win, like, the best picture of the year yet. Mm. Like, like watching it, there was just some, you know, like an intangible thing that you kind of like, okay, that just, that was a good movie. But the intangible bit wasn't there for me where, I, I know that But see, that's always... how I felt about Gravity. What the hell? Why were people so enthralled by Gravity? I almost preferred Gravity. I don't know why. I know, but why? There's nothing more to it than no, one I mean, woman. I... Well, I mean, what you're saying, though, is this movie doesn't seem to fit in that category, but you're perfectly fine to support Gravity in that category when Gravity's nothing more than one... No, Gravity wasn't in one... the musical category. Not in that category. The category of getting awards. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying. No, I... it wasn't I anything stuff. more. She's a woman in space by herself that has to find a way to get home. He's a guy in space all alone who has to find his way I mean, home. they're very similar movies, don't get me wrong. One's on a planet and one's in space, right? But I don't think they're similar. I'm just saying that if you're saying that one movie deserves to be nominated for awards based on... No, I think this deserves to be nominated for awards. I just don't think it would be... Like, I'm thinking of, like... Uh, I've seen some of the trailers and things for... Uh, we saw The Hateful Eight, for instance. We've seen that recently. Uh, we've also seen Star Wars recently. Um, but The Martian, I don't know what it was, but there was something, a little thing lacking. I can't even put my finger on what it was, but when I watched it, when it when it had finished, I was like, yes, that was good, but I'm not going away going, holy crap, I'm going to go out and buy that now, and I want a thing. It wasn't like that for me. Right. It was, it's a good movie while I watched it. I don't know... Gravity also um, is another movie like that, where I really, really enjoyed it and liked it when I watched it, but it doesn't stick with me. You know what I mean? Those movies that stick with you and you just can't get them out of your head. The Martian's not like that. That's the thing that I was surprised about, because it's right up my alley, you know, the space adventure. Because that's what it is. I mean, it's... Well, it's not much of an adventure. I mean, towards the end, it becomes kind of a, you know, a a space adventure. But uh, yeah, I did enjoy it, and I do love Ridley Scott, uh, and I do love that Ridley Scott of the Golden Globes, when they started playing music over him when he did his speech, just actually said fuck you to the guy in the orchestra. He didn't say those words. He said fuck you to the guy in the orchestra pit. He said those words. Yeah, fuck you. He just said it. They had to bleep him out. Woo! And he proceeded then, for six minutes, <laughs> to read his entire, he had a list in his pocket of everybody who had helped him on The Martian. He read everybody's names while this guy in the orchestra pit, who's obviously being told to get this guy off the stage, kept going louder and louder and louder and louder. And Ridley just started shouting more, getting louder and louder also. And he finished the whole thing, which was awesome. I've never seen anybody do that. They usually all comply, don't they? They, they start wrapping it. Oh, they're telling me to wrap it up. Okay. 
I've got to go now. Ridley just stood his ground and finally gave a tribute to his brother who died recently, which... Wasn't recent, it was two years ago. Two, well, two years ago is recent to me. It is not. He's saying so, the same year as Gandolfini. That's two years ago. It was ago. the year after that, wasn't it? Nope. All the same year, because you said, my God, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. Last year, Philip Seymour Hoffman, wasn't it? Year before last. It mm. wasn't 2015. Wasn't he in the Oscars uh, memorial last year, though? Oh, I guess that's yeah, because it was the year before. Yeah, um, yeah so good, good work, Ridley Scott. Uh, my game that I've been playing this week, just one game, is Ghost in the Shell Online. It's a free game on uh, Steam. And I said to you, Giant Bomb, actually. I like watching their quick looks because it opens me up to games that I wouldn't ordinarily play. I'll watch all their quick looks and I'll think, oh, a puzzle game that is set in 1952? Would I like that? And then I'll watch their quick look and go, oh, yeah, I see what... And then I'll try it and sometimes it... Something like that will turn out to be my favourite game. So they did this uh, quick look of Ghost in the Shell online. And Ghost in the Shell is a really popular anime from like the early 90s. It was a huge anime. One of the big ones like Akira that everybody kind of... Like when anime wasn't a thing, it kind of made anime a thing in the US. So they made this game based on this anime from 20 years ago, which I have no interest in anime. I have no interest in games based on anime so I was like why would I even try this and I, I was watching Jeff Gerstmann play and I was like that's like Call of Duty I would I'd really like the look of that game it's a cool like sci-fi version of Call of Duty and I was like wow that looks really cool I wonder how much that is I think I might go and pick that up I went to Steam and it's actually cost nothing <laughs> which I was like okay it costs nothing it's probably going to be turd which often happens with the free the free things so I downloaded it and I've been playing it and I've been playing it every day this week. It is a really awesome shooter. Um, I think it's 8 versus 8 online on the PC. You unlock upgrades like you do in Call of Duty. You get XP for every curl. You're leveling up your soldier. Um, it's basically they took Call of Duty's formula and made Ghost in the Shell game. Now the Ghost in the Shell part of the whole thing means nothing to me. I don't know who any of the characters are. So it stands alone. Right, so there's lady, there's sight, there's robot-looking lady with big boobs. You know anime, what how, kind of how it looks. There's big muscly bloke. They probably all like super famous people out of the movie. And then there's like sniper-looking lady, and they're all kind of mechanical a little bit, but they're like human as well because Ghost in the Shell. It's about um, what do you call it, android, and they're they're robots, but they've got a human skin over the top. Okay. Ghost in the Shell. So. None of that means anything to me, but I'm sure it does for people who are into it, and that would draw those into this game. But give this a go, even if you don't even know what Ghost in the Shell is. You, if you like shooting, and this has lots of shooting because that's primarily what it is, um, it's fun. It's, it's also got skills because you're, like, cybernetic in a way. Each character has a different skill. My, my skill for my character is temporarily you can become invisible, which is cool because you can run up behind people and get them. But it's only temporary. Like, for five or five seconds, then then you can be invisible for five seconds. Then you have to wait for it to build up again, which takes, like, another minute. So, it's fun because you can, like, go invisible, sneak up behind somebody, get them before they see you. Other characters have different things. One of them has this shield that they can put up in front of them. And whenever you stand behind the shield, you become invisible. So, there'll be a shield. 
and you'll stand behind it and the the enemies can't see you at all like so they can see a shield they just don't know where the person is so you could be anywhere within that shield so they they randomly start firing sound like a crazy person you know how yeah. people talk when they're talking about a game, you sound like a crazy person. There's uh, another skill, one of the... I've not played any of the male characters yet. I've just played the two female ones. There are about six male ones. But some of the male ones have, like, where they can run five times the speed that they normally can for a few seconds. So you can get out of trouble quickly, or you can just, you know, sprint across the map to get somebody. Uh, it's cool. It's called Ghost in the Shell Online, and it's on Steam. You can pick it up for nothing. So there are... Like all free things, there is a, w- a way of spending money if you want to. You can level up by playing it, or you can buy the weapons that you want with uh, money. You can like put $10 in the cre- in credits, and you can look at all the weapons, and you can buy them using money. But you can also buy them using online the money that you earn from playing it. So you don't ever have to pay. Right. If, you, if, if you're patient, you don't have to pay. What about your cooking one? Same thing. Yeah, it's like a model like uh, nowadays. Um, if you want to play it and level it up, which I do, that's part of the fun for me. Actually, going through the levels and getting all the stuff, paying for it up front to me, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Actually, like that's not how I like to play. I like to get the rewards as they come up as you go through it. So you mean you don't like to pay for stuff? Shocking. I don't like to pay for it, and I also feel like I wouldn't play it as long if there was nothing to work towards. If I already got the best guns by buying them for $10 and then start playing it, I would burn out on it quicker than having to like work to get the guns. So that is Ghost on the Shell Online, and that's all I've been playing this week. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Tonight will be very basic. Bean burgers from Morningstar. Some vegetable. Don't know what yet. Maybe Brussels sprouts and some pea soup. Mm. That's it. I'm not going to really be extravagant because I don't really want to... Mess with it much. Want to be, Sounds very delicious. It can be ready in like 10 minutes or less. And my advice, is that what you're saying? Was my advice? Yes. This movie kind of inspires it because this woman wrote the story of her own. It's a true, true. we didn't yeah, mention based that. Based on true, based yeah. on her life. I mean, we don't know how, how everything true it is. is. Right. But yeah. I mean, based on her experiences as a girl. Um, but it is good to trust somebody in the whole of your life at some point. With, like, the whole, your whole story. Now, I don't know that everybody has deep, dark secrets, quote-unquote, or that they have times in their life when they did things that most people would disapprove or not approve of. And so they always just sort of keep it over there to the side. Everyone has some secrets, I guess, but there needs to be somebody along the course of your life that you trust with that, like pull your guts out, but be prepared to be judged because that person doesn't come at it from your point of view. They might accept you and they might still be like, well, I don't change my feelings about you. However, Oh, that thing you did. I can't, I can't like, I can't get behind that, but there needs to be somebody somewhere along the line. Maybe when you're a hundred years old, just dump it all out of this lady. She wrote a book. You know, or a friend that you just, you've never told her that one thing that you know that you want to, you want somebody to know. Well, just do it, but pick wisely because yeah. you're going to be judged, no, even if they love you dearly. So it's not like just go ahead and write a book about your life and uh, do it if you want to. But, you know, in your life, it's sort of like a cathartic thing as if that thing did happen. 
You did have those emotions. You did make those choices, right or wrong. It's experiences of your life that can now connect to your life. Whereas if you've done things when you're young and no one really knows, it's it's almost like it's not a real thing. It was a somebody else. Hmm. You know, and if you bridge that gap a little bit, it kind of makes makes you feel more whole, I think. All right, so good advice. So tell me all your deep, dark secrets. I want to remind you about our website, aschoolie.com, sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook, at aschoolie and at sidtalk. Um, also, just before I go on here, The X-Files returns to Fox tomorrow night. That is a big deal for me. The reason this site is called A. Scully is because of Agent Scully from The X-Files. Because I started the site like in the year 2000, right when The X-Files was right in its heyday. So, um, yeah, Scully will be back on the screen tomorrow night. Is it tomorrow or tonight? Tomorrow. Sunday. Sunday and Monday. It's actually on both nights, Sunday and Monday. So, um, yeah, exciting. So, um... If you uh, want to catch this podcast, you can go to stitcher.com, search for After the Show. You can catch us on the uh, iTunes Music Store, the RSS feed on aschoolie.com slash podcast. You can just subscribe there or Microsoft's platform, whatever that is. And you can email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk. And finally, stay classy, Mr. Alexander Skarsgård. Because this was quite the performance. I'm going to say think for yourself or someone will do it for you.